You alright? My name's Paul of God Autism, and I make random videos based on my version of autism, the way my head works, and I stick the videos on the internet just in case you fancy giving them a watch. And I hope you're doing alright. Um, I'm in an alright mood today, which is rare, I know. Um, I'm usually always moaning. Um, but you know what? It's not going to last forever, so I'm just uh, going to make the most of it. I just feel quite... You know, the end of a sigh, where you just, uh, and you just breathe out. I've just kind of got that no energy, whatever sort of feeling going on at the minute, because um, work's been busy, um, and I kind of feel like I'm coming to the end of this absolute manic season of work, um, and this week isn't too imposing, so. I'm just riding the wave of calmness, I suppose. Um, but something didn't make me calm in the week, I've got to admit. I uh, read about a study which was done in the University of Bath where the sort of three main people involved were you know, doctors, psychologists. And the whole point of this study, the the outcome was they were saying that Autistic people who were diagnosed, it doesn't matter basically what age you're diagnosed, it does not significantly impact your quality of life. That was the outcome. And, you know, when you read between the lines and you just want to get the, the, you know, the main part of it out, what they're saying is it's not the age you're diagnosed, it's how you manage your autism. Now, not to blow trumpets here, but that's what I say. Manage your autism, not in an ableist way, but, you know, like I've said to you a trillion times, you know, using, I like to use the same case study every single time to nail points on. I don't know what that was, nail points on. But, you know, I don't go to a coffee shop at noon on a Saturday because I manage my autism. I know that will bother me because it will be so busy. There'll be nowhere to sit. There'll be kids screaming because kids scream for some reason. You know, the town centre will be busy. The sun will be in its highest point <laughs> at midday. And I hate the sun. You know, so I know there's so many things that are going to bother me because I'm autistic. So I avoid that because I'm managing my autism. So it's just amazing how someone as silly as me can already have that answer. And to me, it's quite an obvious answer because I try my hardest to pay attention to my autism on a consistent basis. And I'm not saying I'm doing a good job of it. I'm just saying I pay attention and then I come and talk to you about it. But why did it take a university? I was too poor to go to university as a kid. Why does it take a university and a, and a focus on doctors and psychologists and PhDs? The things which ultimately, with all due respect, is what the neurotypical world care more about. I don't. I don't know. Your PhD will never impress me, but your pyjama collection will. But for someone as silly as me to sit here and say to you over countless videos, it's management of autism, that's what makes the difference. 
And then it takes these people now to say the same thing. You know, and I also, with again, all due respect, I think the outcome of that study is deeply flawed. Why? Because if you read emails that come into my inbox, and if you've ever emailed, do not worry, I will never without permission share any details of any of the things you share. But when I read about people who have gone through life, been married, had children, had which whatever job they had, and now they live in a one-bedroom flat in a rough area, struggling to afford to feed themselves because they're giving their ex-partner and, you know, child support, which is correct, but then the ex-partner won't even let them see their children because they're too weird. And it turns out through everything, when everything was breaking down, that their doctor referred them to an autism specialist and they came away with an autism diagnosis. It's not about management of autism. It would have helped to have known they were autistic and maybe they would have made different decisions along the way. So my concern is not the fact that this research is being done. It's these type of people who will give you a counter argument to what your study shows. They haven't got time, energy or interest to want to take part in a study. Now, I know them people exist because I've put my big ugly face out there on YouTube and I'll speak to people. But there isn't an energy for people even like me to take part in, in research because it's going to be done by people who don't understand me anyway. What's the point? And again, it's just another one of those things. For me, as we all know, I'm not a fan of 99% of research that's done in autism because it's always one-sided. It's always done by people who are not autistic it's, and it always follows an agenda or an ideology. Instead of treating it with neutral lenses and going, let the research find its own findings. So it's a bit of a shame that you know I'm still sat here in June 2023 talking about things I've already said personally without any research apart from paying attention to me. But never mind, we'll uh, move on. And that's not to me pat myself on the back or blow my own trumpet or anything. It's just a fact and it's bothersome because I'm not learned, you know, <laughs> educated. I'm just a guy who is autistic, who pays attention to that. And I think that's where my answers come from. But anyway, carrying on with autism themes, which is hopefully what I try and do anyway. <clears throat> I want to talk about self-preservation and why that is not selfish. And it's again, from a solely personal perspective, I can't share perspectives I don't know. You know, but for the longest time, I didn't see that paying attention to everybody else except me was a problem. I saw if I ever put myself first, then I was being selfish and I wasn't considering the needs of others. You know, basically, how dare I focus on me when there are other people out there in the universe? And it wasn't because I thought low of myself, not at all. It was more I'm already pretending to be someone for everybody else. So being someone for everybody else wasn't a far stretch. It was the same thing. You know, so when I look back in my history, you know, with friends, before there was mobile phones, I was the friend who knocked on friends' doors 
to see if they were coming out to play because that's what you do. You know, when I was older and mobile phones came out, you would text friends, you would try and arrange to meet up with people, you would ask how people are getting on, what are you up to, how are you doing? That was me. I did the work. I was always the person trying to keep everyone together without realizing maybe people didn't want to be kept together. I was always the one asking, how are you? Nobody said, I'm fine, thanks. How are you? They just go, yeah, I'm all right. You know, they took, they took, I gave. You know, and in the end, I, I've told you before, but I worked away. I was in Edinburgh at the time and I'd hit this burnout and didn't know it was burnout. Um, and that's where the doctor basically gave me a sick note for six weeks and it wasn't dated. It just said six week, you know, um, stress, sick note, whatever they're called. And she said, I'll leave the date blank for you. The day you feel you need to use it, you write it in yourself. And I was, I, I couldn't do it because that would affect my manager's bottom line. And I, I left a cushy job in the fire service as a trainer, which I took up after I became injured. I left that job to help my friend because he got in touch with me and said, I need someone I can trust. And trust to me is everything. And I went up there to help him because he trusted me. And then through the way I was treated up there, not viciously, it's not like he ever said anything bad. He just didn't have any interest in my well-being as a person or a friend. And I still didn't cash in that sick note because I was worried about his bottom line. And at the end of that year, he got a £17,000 bonus. I was on £6.50 an hour. And you know how much of that bonus he put in my hand? None. And we're not friends anymore. We've never fell out, but I remember how I was treated. And I didn't appreciate that. You know, all he had to do every now and again was just say, and how are you, Paul? Do you want to do something tonight, Paul? Do you want to go anywhere? Is there anything you need? I'm nipping out. Is there anything you need? Never once was I asked any questions. And I'd left Manchester in England to move to Edinburgh in Scotland to work for him because I wanted him to do very, very well. And I wasn't even afforded a, a welfare checking. But I didn't even realize then, you know, that I could have cashed that sick note in because to me that would have been selfish then. Today, I'd have cashed it in. And even if everybody shouts at me, I'm just going to sit here and go, I don't care, I need to cash that in. I needed to put that in because I'm not doing great. My mental health matters to me. You might not care about it, but it matters to me. So away you go while I recover, my friend. But back then, I honestly felt like I was being selfish, even though I was being treated selfishly and I was doing everything selflessly for other people. I just couldn't see it. You know, and then one day, and it was in amongst this time, I just took a year off from humans. You know, I didn't text anybody. I just told myself, just don't text anybody and see who gets in touch with you. And if I knew 30 people, by the end of that year, three people had messaged me, and one of them was my mum. 
And it's like, oh, and another one was um, someone asking about fixing a computer. You know, and it's like, wow. Okay. I know how much I'm not a valuable part to other people's lives. You know, and that made me force myself. I forced myself to treat me as if I was important too, you know, like the effort and energy I put into everybody else, I put into me. You know, and I can understand how that's hard for some people to do because, like, if you take family, for example, people will say to me that I don't understand, you know, or I don't know what their family is like. It's not easy to just walk away. It's not easy to just look out for yourself. It's not easy to just pull away and take care of, you know, me. I've got to stay dialed in because if I don't, they're all over me like a rash. And if I change all of a sudden, they think I'm being weird and they already think I'm weird enough. And I just, I hear it from the perspective of the person I was and I hear it from the person I am today. And the person I was would have gone, I fully get that. You know, I know you have to stay dialed in. Sometimes it's just easier to carry on because it causes less stress and pressure. And, you know, yeah, it's tiring, but I know where you're coming from. Whereas now, because I treat myself as if I'm important too, I go, no, you're important too. And if you're doing things that cause you to be tired, that cause you to burn out, that cause you stress and cause you sleepless nights because you're staying dialed in for other people, they're being selfish and you're being selfless. But you're doing detriment to you by doing that. You know, the bottom line will always be the same for me, and that is good people will understand. Family, friends, strangers, it doesn't matter. A good person understands when you need to pull away from something. You can't stay a part of someone's life because it'll upset them. If it's causing you anguish, it's causing you problems, and it's causing you discomfort. But separating from them will upset them, and that's why you stay dialed in. You have to remember why you're bothered in the first place. And if it's because of that interaction, you've got the power to do something about it. And I'm not asking anyone to sever ties, sever relationships, become a hermit, live underground, and you'll be all right for the rest of your days. I'm not saying that. I'm saying if you're doing something consciously and it is detrimental to you, I just want you to think about it. That's all. Because I know how much, I, because I stayed dialed in to everybody else and I was being somebody else for their benefit. I also gave my happiness to them as well because I didn't need it. I wanted them to be happy. You know, there's that saying, isn't there? You should only surround yourself with people who want the best for you. I'm that guy. I want the best for everyone. You will never have anything I'm jealous of. The only time I'll be jealous is when you have complete freedom because that's all I want. I want to be able to sleep at night. You know, I don't want to go to work. I'm in the greatest position I possibly can be right now. I've got the best boss, the best line manager, a comfortable team. I know my job inside and out. But if you said to me, Paul, here's enough money to not work again, I wouldn't take the money and then carry on working. I would instantaneously be on the phone to my boss and say, I am sorry to land you in it as quick as this, but I can't do this anymore. I deserve to live for me now because I'm important too. 
you know, friends, friends are another one. I lost so many friends because I cared so much. And that's, that's the problem. I cared as well. I wasn't doing it because it was an act. I genuinely cared and wanted people to do well. You know, and when I say, you know, I was somebody for, for everybody else and I didn't put my interest or happiness before theirs, that's true. You know, and then I look at, you know, I, I am, I genuinely want the best for people. You should only surround yourself with people who want the best for you. But everyone I was surrounded by never wanted the best for me. There was a time I was round at this other friend's house and his older brother worked in this factory or this warehouse, as did another friend of mine. And I'd asked my friend, is there any jobs going? I was penniless. I had absolutely nothing to my name. I was willing to take almost any job. And he worked in what appeared to be a nice enough place, you know. And I said, is there any jobs going? Anything at all. I don't care if it's for four hours a week. Anything to start me off. And he goes, nah, mate, there's no jobs going. Sorry. I was like, okay, cheers anyway. But when I was round at my friend, other friend's house and his brother was there, he works in the same place. He said to me, he goes, oh, you're all right, mate. You know, are you working yet? And I went, I'm not, mate. I said, I even asked, you know, what his name was, if there was any jobs going at your place. And he's like, there, and I said, you know, he said there isn't any jobs. And he went, what? There is always jobs going at our place. Always. Do you want me to get you an application? And I said, no, get this, because the friend who lied to me and betrayed me and didn't want to help me. I didn't want to work where he worked to make him uncomfortable. What's wrong with me? <laughs> Thankfully, I'm not that person anymore. And he's not my friend anymore. Because I don't need people like that in my life. They're not friends. But the amount of selfless behavior I did for other people who were selfish. And any time I thought of doing anything self-preservative for me, I assumed I was being selfish because I wasn't giving to people. And I'd done that all my life. But you've got to, it's important to listen to yourself, you know, because like this world we live in, it's not my world. I say it all the time. I'm a passenger in a car and I don't get control over the destination we're going. You know, that is the world to me. I'm living by somebody else's design and I'm just along for the ride and I just hope that their design doesn't get too complicated. But what a world we live in today. It's very complicated. Um, but a lot of it's made up. It's not real. So they can carry on doing what they're doing. You know, the truth will always be the truth. But society doesn't work for me. You know, the whole you know, go to school, go to college, go to uni, meet a partner, move in with a partner, get engaged, get married, have a kid after you get married within the first year, have another kid, you know, and then all your friends have done the same too. That was never my design and I didn't do it. And I'm so glad I didn't do it because I sit here before you knowing every day that no matter how hard things get, that was the right decision. Oh my God, was that the right decision? But do you know what I get? People still telling me today, You'll never know true happiness until you have a child. It's like, do you know what? I'm willing to forego pure happiness to not have a child. Thank you. You know, and I kind of want to tell everyone about the video I did where it was why I didn't have children. If you've, if you've never seen it, watch it and you tell me if I haven't considered it. I absolutely have inside and out. I would have been a bad parent. Horrible to say, but I would have been. I'm too needy for me. I've got to pay too much attention to what I need, too much attention to what I have to do, too, too dialed in. 
And I can't, like I sit here before you now, I couldn't sacrifice my weekends to go to kids' parties and figure out what we're going to get Riley for his birthday, you know, walking around Toys R Us, if that still exists, you know, spending money that I really could do with not spending because I'm buying somebody else, like 30 kids in his class, 30 different birthdays a year, 30 different presents. I'd be working to support my kids' friendships. Sorry, kid. You know, I just knew it wasn't for me. So, I, But society has expectations. But what do you actually want to do? Never mind what society wants. Let society do what society wants. But what do you want to do? I don't do and didn't do so many things. And a lot of them were absolutely the right choice. It's why I related to Dexter so much, the TV show, because he does so many things to blend in with society and so do I. But I blend in with it, but it doesn't mean I'm taking part. I still don't want any part of it, you know? Like, no, the word no does not have to be negative. But saying yes can be a negative experience. You know, saying yes to attend a party or a function or someone's leaving do or whatever it is. And you know you hate the idea of that. You don't like doing those things. You're going to go. It's going to be awkward. You're not actually going to talk to many people. People are going to start getting drunk and people start putting their arm around you. You don't like being touched. You know, and all in all, you're just on edge all night and you go home and it's like, oh, that was horrible. Thank God I'm home. Then why did you go? Well, you have to, don't you? No. You don't. An invitation is yours to decline or accept it is not an obligation. <sighs> but, you know, doing more when you're tired, it doesn't wake you up. It just makes you more tired. You have to pay attention to that. It's why it's so important to listen to yourself. What does your body want to do? What does your mind want to do? What can you do? What do you feel you've got the energy for? You know, because... It's, it's, it's important, and I'll give you a, a pers another personal example of why it's important. It's because I'm still struggling at the age I am to sit here before you, and I've done nothing but try and figure out my autism, not just for me, but for other people as well. You know, I'm not your carbon cut copy of an autistic creator online. I'm not fun, happy, shiny, and friendly. I don't act like an infant. I don't flap. I'm still trying to figure it out and I'm still trying to find the way I work. But the one thing which I struggle with with you, to be completely honest, is where's the line between me feeling like I'm being selfish and me being self-preservative? So like my last video, I told you, I'm taking my Patreon seriously, you know, a paid version of what I do. It's not replacing this. I won't replace this but it is additional videos. I'm doing a series over there called Unfiltered, which is where I'll do these, but without the constraints that this platform puts on you. I'll be speaking much more from the heart and much more true to my core and my design. And I'm doing a, another one called Life, which are generally five to 10 minute videos, but I've just done one that was over half an hour because I didn't shut up to talk about my life because some people are interested in how I get on every day rather than me talking about topics. You know, I've set that up because I need more money. Not I don't want more money. I need more money. My camera is dying. The colors are not holding. I have to do all sorts with that light over there, the light on the camera, 
you know, I have to tweak everything and that's just to make sure the camera tries to work. But it looks from here like there's a yellow tinge on the camera because I've used this relentlessly. My wages don't cut buying a new DSLR camera. But if I can give you more, I'm not asking for free money. I go, I'll still do more for you. But if I do, is there any way you can, if you appreciate it, slightly compensate for it? That's all, you know? And I've also stopped giving advice in emails where people want me to attend something or help them fill a form out or they've got a family issue or they want to know how to talk about autism with their family. I've stopped doing that for free because what I found is I was plugging so many hours into helping people and they wouldn't even say thanks. They just disappeared. So now I'm 200 quid an hour, you know, and people are like, I'm not paying that. It's like, then don't. But that is your choice to do, you know, and I still feel terrible for charging people money for doing that. But at the same time, it's my free time I'm spending to do it. I still want to help but I need to help me too. I'm important too. So that's why I don't feel too bad because Patreon is a choice and I'm not changing what I do here. It's not like I've conned you or pulled you in and then I go, oh, by the way, if you still want me to do this, pay me money for it. I've not done that and I won't do that. You can hold me to that, but I give people an option. But I still feel slightly bad for doing it because I don't think I am worth anything. Not in a person sense but you know me speaking why would anyone pay for that and that's just for me to struggle with but at the same time it's self-preservation because when my camera dies i've got to buy a new one where do i get the money for that when bills have gone up and my pay didn't why not just see if there's another avenue you know but that's me personally. Other things that are personal is that you have to remember when you're looking at self-preservation or is it being selfish? We are already doing so much for other people. We're masking. We're making sure that they're all right. We're making sure that everything around us is okay. We leave the house with a mask on. We come home. We can take it off again. That's a long time to pretend for the benefit of others. And we have to pay attention, not just for today, but for tomorrow as well, because we can put ourselves in positions and we can tell ourselves we're going to be fine. You know, like I said a minute ago with going to events, functions, christenings, somebody's leaving do, you know, whatever event is going on or whatever you're needed for, you will take part in that. But you've got to think of tomorrow because you're burning yourself out. You're putting yourself closer to burnout, to meltdowns, to shutdowns. The more you do for others, that is against your design. You have to pay attention to that because when you wake up, you're not refreshed. It's not like I'll sleep it off and I'll be fine tomorrow. It's you go to sleep exhausted and you wake up and you've got to find a way of finding that free time to recharge. So saying, you know, the only way you will be the best version of yourself is by listening to yourself. And like I said, good people will always understand because your autism isn't going anywhere, but the way you manage it is everything. Self-preservation for me simply means you're making yourself important. You recognize what is beneficial and non-beneficial, what is positive, what is negative, what will take its toll on you and what won't. 
And then there is being selfish, and that's paying attention to other people and what they want from you versus what they want to give back. What you do for others, even in a selfless way, is it having an impact on you? This is why when I say family and friends, if they don't understand, just remember, good people do. And they might be good people generally. But if they don't care about your well-being, your wellness, your autism, then I'm afraid it's not in the good category for me. Just learn who you are. Learn your triggers. And don't learn too late like I did that it's okay to be self-preservative. I am important, even if just to me. I'm important. So I'll take care of my needs and what I need because that's the only way I'm going to recharge, stay focused and carry on giving everybody what they already get from me, which will always be a toll. But the days of me doing for others where it takes a toll on me and they just get, are done. And the only reason I wanted to talk about it is because I want you to think about that too. I can only talk from my perspective and I don't know what you do for others, but you're important too. Don't you ever forget it. Anyway, I'm going to go. But I hope it made sense. And until next time, keep smiling.